Welcome to Figure That Game Out, Part 4, Negotiation. We both move forward. After persuasion, which is what we talked about in Skill 3, the next skill that we need is negotiation. Now, everyone is negotiating. Whether or not you think about it in terms of sitting in a boardroom, this high-end, uh, high-pressure challenge experience that you've got to wrangle somebody to get a deal that you're excited about, uh, or you really do understand how much this is a part of our lives every day. The conversations you're having with loved ones, the conversations you're having with friends, the conversations you're having with people that you're connected to, we're all negotiating. Now, I'm going to tell you this statement. It's in your notes there. We tend towards extremes of being too passive or too aggressive. So if you tend to be too passive in negotiation, you're not really appreciating how much it's always happening around you. If you tend to be too aggressive, well, uh, let's just say I'll let you guess which way uh, I was influenced as I was raised uh, to become. I'm in the Middle East. It's like uh, I'm like 21 years old. I'm on this trip. And I walked on this crowded marketplace, this busy road, uh, not busy road, walkway, just tons of people, tons of stands, everything you could imagine, like some kind of movie moment. And I want to buy this thing from this guy. Now, over there, for them, negotiation's a game. It's a sport. You play along. And I know that. And so I'm having fun with this guy. And I'm trying to bring the price way down. And he's yelling at me. And I'm being passionate back. It's all a game. And I walk away from him. And I hear him yelling in this crowded marketplace. And I turn around and I come back and I buy it. And I felt amazing. It felt so much fun. So I had a different mindset than a lot of people did early on uh, in the sense of like, I embraced the challenge. Now, there was a dysfunction in my mindset. I'm going to share that with you in a minute. But when my wife and I first got married, I mean, we've been married 20 years. And and I remember she'd buy something in the department store clothes-wise. And I'm like, did you just try to get 5% off? Just ask them. Like, hey, is there any way I can get 5% off this? Weird, crazy things that you're always trying to ask and, and, and get that deal on and finagle on. And, you know, for me, uh, I don't have the energy to be that way about it anymore. But that is how I approached it. I was on the too aggressive spectrum. I mean, even as our kids were getting older and going places and staying places and teenagers, you know, wanting more time. You know, they're calling mom and asking her, and I'm always like, make them name the terms, make them name the terms, <laughs> make them name the time. So I've definitely taken it too far. But whether you're too passive or too aggressive, what we're going to walk through are, are three simple actions that you can take. They're going to change how you have these moments and these conversations. You're going to see them in the big and the small. Now, before we get into it, we've just got to understand that for most people, what they don't get is that they falsely value tactics over mindset. So whenever I'm talking to people about negotiation, and I would say if I rank the top five things that people ask questions about in regards to the work that we do, obviously at the high level, we're doing decision making and, and functional healthy relationships and the clarification of mission. But negotiation comes up all the time because this is just a part of our lives. Now, here is what's dysfunctional. Most people, and this is in your notes, approach negotiations from a short-sighted mindset and manipulative tactics. So they want to know the tactics that are going to help them win. So it becomes manipulative. And the mindset is very short-sighted. And I'm going to solve both of those for you today. There's tons of books on negotiations. There's tons of content out there. I can remember being on planes in my 20s, flying places and looking in the back of some magazines, the airline magazines that have these negotiation seminars and had this guy in this really like 
expensive French suit. And I'm like, he must be amazing at negotiation. I need to learn from him. I'm telling you that there is so much that's overdone in this space. Number one, simplest place to start. Don't negotiate with people you don't like. Don't negotiate with people you don't like. Now, I, I want to clarify because some of you might have been in situations where you didn't like somebody and they were raising something in you in regards to your insecurities or vulnerabilities. That's not what I'm talking about. For you guys that are here in this course, you're OG. You've been through Figure That Shift Out. You understand that anybody raising something in me is a clue and a signal to the awareness of where I can grow and become more healthy and whole. So it just, I'm not talking about somebody that just raises something in you that you don't like and it shows an, a vulnerability or insecurity. I'm talking about when you get those feelings, you know, you're like, Ooh, I can't explain it, but there's something I don't like about that guy. There's something about her. It just doesn't sit right with me. That's what I'm talking about. Now, if you'll just stop being in negotiations with people that make you feel that way, you'll solve yourself. You'll solve for yourself a ton of the problems that people have all the time. I mean, people get in relationships, long-term partnership spouse relationships where they're not happy because they didn't know who they were. They didn't know who that person was. There was something off. And so now they're constantly in negotiation with somebody that they don't like. Now that's really sad. And, 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 and I would never hope that for you, but do you know, while that may not happen a ton in marriage spouse relationships, it happens all the time in business. People make compromises all the time and they are willing to enter into negotiations with people that give them that, I don't, I don't, I don't like it. Why? Because they're convinced, they have a short-sighted mindset that that person will help them accomplish their dreams. They're going to help me get to my sales quota, quote, uh, you know, where I'm trying to get for the quarter. They're going to hit me, help me hit that income level. They're going to help us get into this new industry or this marketplace. I'm going to get this space finally that I need for my business. And here's what happens. And this is the statement there under the notes. You'll end up putting your dreams in the hands of other people. When you, when you negotiate with people that you don't like, and it's not coming from a place of insecurity, when you negotiate with people you don't like, you end up putting your dreams in their hands. It's short-sighted. Now, here's the thing. If you wouldn't take a a road trip with them? Why would you want to be in business with them? You say, it's just one deal. It's short. It's not a long time frame. It, you know, it, it can even be something like, hey, they're just adding the deck to our house, right? Whatever it is. More of whatever you say yes to today leads to more tomorrow. <laughs> now, oh, if I could go back in time and sit young Chris McAllister down in his mid-20s, when he was convinced that these opportunities in front of him, he had to say yes to them. And, and, and I would say to that young Chris McAllister, hey man, that feeling that you feel, it's, I don't know about being in business with this guy. Pay attention to that. Put a big neon sign around it, surface it. Because an insecurity or a short-sighted mindset gets you in partnership with people you will have wished, wished that you would have never connected with. And I know this too painfully. You end up, uh, you stop being at your creative best because you let other people carry the responsibility for your dreams. You get too defensive, you're too, too antagonistic or too passive. You become concerned about loss and protection. You say, but Chris, I'm still going to be in situations with people at some points where I'm negotiating with somebody 
that I wish that I wasn't. What then? Well, look at this statement there in your notes. I'm defining the best for you. And the best negotiations are the overlapping space between two people or two organizations that know who they are and what they want. That's the best. The best negotiations happen between two people or two organizations that know who they are and what they want. And then they combine to make something, and here's the word for your notes there, new. They combine to make something new. It's okay, Chris, I get it. That's, that's the best. That's what we want. Well, by setting the standard for what the best is in your life and saying, this is, I don't want to sink below this. I don't want to go below this. You start to open up the vision for what could be the norm, what should be the norm. You say, but Chris, well, what do I do when I get into that place? I get it. I get it. We're going to have it happen. Number two, here's what you do. This is for all negotiations, even the ones where you're in, where you aren't really a fan of who you're in conversation with. Number two, look for what you can give, not just get. Look for what you can give, not just get. This, this is going to sound simple, and we're about to get deep into principle. Uh, I was like, you know, mid-20s, buying our first family minivan. And I wish I could tell you that I was more involved than this. I wish that I could, but I am. I'm Chris McAllister, and I learned simple things in painful ways. I feel like that's the byline of my life. Things that I could have already known or should have already known. But hey, here we are. So I buy a minivan from a friend. Okay. Another friend, a mutual friend, comes to me and goes, man, so-and-so said you really raked him over the coals on that. You know, Chris just pushed so hard on this deal. And, and he said this to me very direct. He goes, Chris maybe you could be more win-win. And at 24, 25 years old, I remember hearing that for the first time and going, that's a thing? I mean, you mean it doesn't have to be all about what I can get, but give? I don't know if you've uh, seen the show Succession on HBO. And uh, I'm not going to say that my in any way experience growing up was anything like that. But I did have a little bit of modeling of leadership that was very aggressive about what you can get. And what the healthiest people do when they're in negotiation, they're so secure, they stay sharp to what's happening, but they also are focused more on what they can give. They don't lose healthy boundaries because healthy boundaries is all about point one. But in the moment, they start thinking about not only what am I getting out of this, but what can I give? How can I help one another? I've negotiated business partnerships with a scarcity broken mindset, there's not going to be enough. And it was terrible. And I've negotiated business partnerships with an abundant mindset. It's going to be okay. And they went amazing. Now that takes two amazing humans. But even if one human breaks down, the other one can still transcend. How are we going to do that? Well, here's four pieces that I want to make sure that when you're in negotiations, you honor. And these are hard conversations with a, a partner or a spouse or a love interest. And these are moments where you're trying to advance your mission, have a conversation about increasing your pay, whatever it is for, here they are. And the word here is honor. You're honoring. Honor the time. Honor the time. Each person is responsible for their own happiness, okay? But in the ecosystem of sight shift, all of this content is connected. I can't make you happy. Another human can't make you happy. 
But when you become the kind of person who learns how to become aware of your shame and you lean into it and you start to explore life on the other side of your identity fear and your brain starts to get rewired, guess what happens? Even the boring, mundane parts of your life capture your full presence. That's what makes life so rich and exciting, that you can look at a piece of grass and just feel a sense of awe. Not only the boring and mundane parts, but also the parts where you feel challenged and afraid. I was negotiating with an investor years ago in a big deal that I was doing, and I got nervous, and I'm having lunch with this guy, and he's like a major leader in the community. He was a judge, okay? Major judge. And I'm making an investment pitch to him, and we're sitting in this cafe, and I'm so nervous while I'm eating. The food gets stuck in my throat. Now, some of you know the story about how I didn't know at the time, but that was in my head and my throat was constricting, but it was a real feeling. The food is stuck because I'm just so nervous. I walked into the middle of this cafe, over to the corner, from the middle of this cafe over to the corner. I literally gagged myself to get it out, cleaned it up before anybody knew, walked back over the table, finished the conversation, closed the investment. That went great but the experience was terrible. See, I want to get where I'm going in life and enjoy getting there. And part of this is what it means to, even in boring moments or moments I'm afraid, to bring my full presence. Honor the time. Honor the time. You're there. There is no moment other than now. Why not honor it? Why not be there in it? Now, part of honoring the time is just preparing. And if you prepare for negotiations, tough conversations, challenging moments, you're going to be able to orient in a moment's notice. If you're the kind of person who's prepared, you've thought about it, you've explored it, well, then in the moment you get to experience what I believe is the best part of relationships, the volley back and forth of vulnerability. In the last few years, I've been through some intense negotiations with great humans, and in the volley of vulnerability, both of us tried to outdo the other in how much we could give. It was amazing. I had it happen a few weeks ago with a long-term client and friend having me speak. And, and I'm like, man, you know, we've raised rates and, and we've been able to see an increase there and it's been growth and I still want to take care of you guys and help you out. And, and I was trying to go as low as he could and he tried to go as high as he could. It was crazy. It's like we're both being terrible business people, but great friends and it's a beautiful way to live. So we honor the time. And second, we honor the space. Honor the space. If I'm here and the time matters, then the person matters also. I'm going to see them. I'm going to hear them. I'm going to feel them. Full presence. Why not? Don't be distracted. Don't be rushing off to the judgment. State back what, you've, what I'm hearing you say is. You may have heard them correctly. Help them feel known. Can you tell me more? Honor the face. Honor the face. Now, I covered this in the last skill, but I want to tie it back in just real quick. We talked about this in persuasion. What's their face giving you? Give it back. Are they giving you Something of matching an emotion, matching an energy, a direction, and then honor the process. Honor the process. It's not all just always one and done. A hard conversation with a partner, love, interest, or spouse, a challenging business conversation. There are all kinds of tips that fit in this space, like when you're working for something that's a big deal and you go, hey, that's good, but how can we do better? <laughs> or you need more time. Hey, I need to talk to my partner. Whatever that is. Give yourself what you need. Give them what they need. Let that process play out. Now, the best way I could give you a sub-conversation 
to take you to a very advanced level in honoring the process is a course in the academy called Figure That Win Out. At the time you watch this, it'll probably be available to the public. Uh, we're using that to help and train our certified coaches. So as a part of this ecosystem, that's a model that you walk through in asking people questions that our friend Jimmy Roris came up with, and it's an amazing model. So note that as you grow, okay? So at the beginner level, don't get in negotiations with people that you don't like. At the pro level, you are looking for what to give, not just get. Okay, here's the master level. I get chills at this level. Third point, get beyond low-level tactics to the highest principle. Stand in the, here's the phrase, electric metal of both and rather than either or and reap the creative rewards. Reap the creative rewards. Here's what I mean about this idea of the electric metal. All of the stuck points in our decision-making, thinking, and negotiations happen because we get stuck between an either or binary. That's what is the limiting factor on all of our thinking, the development of our intelligence, our awareness, our health, our growth, our leadership. I'm so passionate about this. This is one of the five values of Sight Shift as a whole. We guide from paradox. We stand in the electric middle. I am both terrified to be on camera right now, pouring my soul out to you, and I am excited to do it. It is the both and. All the good stuff happens in the both and. And what's happening in a true, pure, beautiful negotiation moment is this both and. Now, I want to go deeper into this both and with you for just a second. Before I do, let me remind you of the shallow way that most people approach the game of life. It's amazing to me the number of times I've been in negotiations with co-founders and founders of companies where we're trying to walk through a situation that's tough and people are willing to leave the company and give up equity and money if they can maintain a title. Now, why in the world would they ever do that? Well, because it's how they're playing the game. And they're playing a game that I don't care about. See, most people explain negotiation through, and this is in your notes there, through game theory. So you're seeing a lot more talks and books come out on game theory and have over the last couple of years, few years. And they usually define the games this way. They're either cooperative, non-zero games, or competitive, zero-sum games. In other words, cooperative, we've got an infinite amount, or competitive, there's a limited amount. I want you to understand in negotiation, in vision making, even if resources are fixed, game theory is not best explained by saying it's either cooperative or competitive. Instead, it's both and. <laughs> yeah, there are fixed resources of time and energy and money and all of the different resources we can imagine, but vision is unlimited. And if we can understand at a visionary level what it means to play this game, then we'll get this deep idea. The pie isn't a fixed pie. You haven't done your work in that negotiation until you're understanding that this pie is not a fixed pie. Now, remember, there are three types of games we play, and then I want to talk about electric middle, and then we're going to be done. Number one, Letter A there in your notes, people play status and approval games. Status and approval games. So I'll give up impact, income, and fun if you just let me keep this title. What is that? That's a passive identity. In other words, I'm saying to the world, tell me who to be. A lot of other people beyond that are playing rebellion games. You can't tell me who to be. That's an aggressive identity. 
And I covered this in an earlier section to figure that game out. Last, this is the kind of game we want to play. This is where we stand in the electric middle of cooperative and competitive games at the same time. And this keeps us at our absolute best in negotiation. I want to play vision and desire games. Vision and desire games. I'm learning who I am and what I really want. Now, no matter where you are today, in any sector of your life, you've never found the best way to do anything. Ever. That's why if the Middle East were to call me based on this teaching today, if it got word got out, and they said, uh, they said, Chris, we, we heard the teaching of negotiation. Will you come negotiate peace in the Middle East? What would a ton of people around me say? You can't do it. It's never been done. They've tried for too long. Well, there's always a better way. You've never found the best way to do anything. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying this. When you have the mindset that you understand you can't split up or divide infinity, there is no fixed pie. So what I'm constantly doing is using identity space and the table exercise to train my brain for intuitive vision to see more and to make more meaning no matter what in every negotiation I'm in. And everything else takes care of itself. Because when you understand you're living at the bleeding edge where two people are combining to make something new, you're bringing, to, you're bringing something into existence that never existed before. And as you become this kind of person, you become more trustworthy and safe. You're skilled. More negotiation just flows through you. I don't know if any of you are fans of the Marvel Universe and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, what kicked off with Iron Man. I found it amazing how they turned this film franchise into such a worldwide phenomenon. But what's most powerful to me at the end of the whole Avengers saga the storyline. There were really only two characters, only two characters, Thanos and Doctor Strange. Thanos was playing a long game. All the other characters were reacting in the present to what he was doing. But one character, Doctor Strange, stood in the electric middle of the both end, not committing to any specific timeline, but contemplated all timelines to play just a little bit longer game than Thanos. More vision. Got out of head. Got out ahead of it. And saved the galaxy, the universe. <laughs> Wherever you find yourself, you've never found the best way to do anything and there's more. And if you can not negotiate with people who give you those willies, people you don't like, and if you can make sure that you're there to give more than get, and you stand in the electric middle to both end, not getting stuck in a fixed binary pie, you will find a way forward where others may have been stuck or stopped. Figure that game out, part four. Negotiation, we both move forward.